We acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Nation, the people of the three fires known as Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. And further, we give thanks to the Chippewa of Saugeen and the Chippewa of Nawash, now known as the Saugeen Ojibwe Nation, who are the traditional keepers of this land. In some parts of Canada, treaties were signed with First Nations that gave incoming settlers rights to much of the land, while in other areas, few or no treaties were signed. Unceded land was never given or legally signed away to Britain or Canada. Instead, it was stolen and continues to be occupied and governed by settlers today. As we live, work, surf and play, we say mahalo to the Métis, Inuit and Indigenous peoples of Turtle Island and from around the world who have stewarded these lands and sacred surf spots for thousands of years. We recognize their amazing resistance, resilience, and strength in the face of ongoing oppression, dispossession, colonial violence, and injustice. In particular, we wish for justice to be brought for the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls from across our country. We believe that for true healing and harmony to occur, we must reflect and make serious changes while working together as we move forward in truth and reconciliation. We can be better, we can do better. Welcome to Permastoked. I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. In this podcast, we talk to your favorite surfers and stand-up paddleboarders from across the Great Lakes, Canada, the U.S., and beyond. We take a peek into their lives and find out what it means to be stoked. Is it a natural state of euphoria, elation, a relentless commitment? I also talk to other Permastoked individuals with ties to surf culture, such as artists, entrepreneurs, filmmakers, musicians, philanthropists, yogis, and much more. Join us each Monday in learning from these field experts and enthusiasts while being inspired by their undying passion, insights, and rad tales. Permastoked is brought to you by Freshwater Surf Goods, your surf brand devoted to spreading the stoke across the unsalted seas and cultivating pride amongst the surf community. We do this by providing products and apparel that celebrate the awesomeness of both Great Lakes and Canadian surf culture. Stand out in the tribe by rocking our gear. Visit freshwatersurfgoods.com today. Or look for our products in a surf shop near you, such as Surf Sup Eco Shop in Concarden and Goderich, where you can also find me, Derek Hyatt, teaching surf, sup, and yoga. Would you like to try the fastest growing sport in North America? Right on, because Freshwater Surf Goods has its own stand-up paddleboard school. We offer basic and advanced flatwater courses, SUP surfing and surfing lessons in groups and both private and semi-private, along with tours, custom experiences, and SUP yoga in and around Owen Sound, Grey Bruce, and other parts of Southwestern Ontario. Have fun as you take your skills from okay to killer with a Paddle Canada certified instructor. If you'd rather stay dry, check out our Great Vibes Yoga Meditation and Healing Program. Aloha is a life force energy of loving and living in harmony with all my relations. 
Through movement, mantra, meditation, and breath, our classes reveal to seekers how to connect with their true self so they may spread great vibrations in the spirit of aloha throughout the global consciousness. We use powerful yogic technologies and the Hawaiian art of Ho'oponopono to calm the nervous system and leave you feeling uplifted and in harmony with mind, body, and spirit. Enjoy community and a chill atmosphere filled with great vibes and sacred ancient teachings delivered with humor and integrity. Thanks to depictions like the 1987 hit film, Harry and the Hendersons, we tend to limit Sasquatch sightings to the dense rainforest of the Pacific Northwest. But with over 27.8 million hectares of forest in and around the Great Lakes, could this not make for a perfect Bigfoot vacation destination? In this episode, we deviate from the topic of surfing to investigate whether or not Sasquatch might be watching you while you're surfing at those heavily wooded surf spots around the Great Lakes. We chat with Olin Frutel of Great Lakes Sasquatch about Great Lakes sightings, his own personal experiences, common threads across encounters, the trauma and recovery process of seeing a Sasquatch, surfing Sasquatch, and Sasquatch theories, including the idea that Sasquatch are waiting for COVID-19 to destroy the human race so that they may roam more freely. This episode was recorded on December 9th, 2020. It is family friendly with minimal swearing, but no F-bomb. Olin, welcome to Permastote. How's it going, bro? Pretty good. Thanks for having me. Right on, man. Nice to have you here. So where am I talking to you from? So I'm from Minnesota. Whereabouts in that day? I live kind of like right in the dead center of it. Like right in the middle, right between where the Northwoods and the... Uh, the Great Plains, like, kind of meet. Okay, cool. So, you know, you're talking to a Canadian here. So what's the terrain like where you're you're based? So, like, uh, the north and east part of the state, uh, kind of along uh, north of Lake Superior there. It's, uh, it's a lot of, like, uh, forest, stuff like that. It's, like, basically right where the Canadian Shield starts with all the, you know, the rock formation and all that stuff. And then the central part of the state, it's kind of like it, there's trees and there's some hills and uh, some wetlands and stuff. And then it kind of transitions the farther south and west you go in the state, uh, the more flat it gets and the treeless it gets and it starts turning into plains. So, you know, we're here, we're, we're going to dive into Sasquatch in a minute, but I just wanted to kind of set the tone a little bit, kind of understand, you know, what it, what your surroundings look like. Um, so before you tell us, you know, about Great Lakes Sasquatch and all this, I kind of want to understand a bit, like, how did you grow up? What, you know, I understand that you've spent a lot of time in the bush, you know, probably it sounds like maybe not thinking about Sasquatch and things like this was something that sort of came to you later. So, so walk us through what that looks like. All right. So. As I said, I grew up in like the central part of Minnesota, so out in the rural area. Um, I grew up kind of like uh, doing a lot of farm work and stuff and um, just lived a pretty simple existence, really. And uh, for hobbies, I really liked fishing, hunting, camping, four-wheeling, all that sort of stuff. And then uh, on my own, I really liked to go out and do bushcraft kind of stuff. 
Um, so when I was younger, when I was like a teenager and in my twenties, I really liked going out on solo camping trips and, uh, just like kind of getting off the trail and doing all this basically like bushcraft and solo camping. And I, uh, yeah, I never really thought about Sasquatch. Um, if the subject ever came up, I was just kind of indifferent to it. Didn't think about it much. Um, my opinion was pretty much that it was just kind of a joke. It was something people used to sell beef jerky and stuff like that. What changed your mind about Sasquatch? So when I was 26 years old, I was up north with uh, my wife and uh, her family. And now uh, we're doing a four-wheeling trip. So we weren't really like that deep in the woods or anything. We we're, were up in a state forest, but... Um, wasn't really that remote, you know, and, um, we had been there throughout the weekend doing four wheeling and stuff. And then we always like to take, uh, like Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, to stay a little bit longer. Cause usually all the weekend people are gone. Then everybody's got to go back to their jobs and whatnot. So we'll stay a couple extra days and we kind of have the place to ourselves. And, uh, we were camping. And most people had gone to bed. It was like one in the morning. There's only four of us sitting out by the fire. Now it had been uh, myself, my wife, her mom, and then a family friend of ours. And we were just chilling by the fire, just chit-chatting. And um, there's like crickets, frogs. This was like in June. So, there, you know, there's a lot of noise out in the woods at the time. And uh, even like uh, bar dolls and all that stuff. So just to be transparent, you know, were you drinking? I was not. My uh, my wife and her mom, they had a few drinks, but they weren't even, you know, close to being hammered or anything. Okay, because so. I'm sure that comes up. Like, I'm sure people ask you that, so I wanted to just... Yeah, I get, I get that all the time. A lot of times I tell them, you know, if you start seeing apes when you're drunk, you'd start seeing them at the bars too, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so you guys are sitting out at the fire, chit-chatting. Yeah, and then it got just got really quiet all of a sudden, and it was just dead calm. It was kind of a weird feeling, and then we heard this just loud, loud vocalization, and it's really hard to describe. Like, you know, with like a wolf or like another animal, I could like mimic it for you. Now this, this I, I can't even attempt to replicate it so um but the best way i can describe it is like a howl and just like screaming and it was incredibly loud it had a huge lung capacity and it sounded very like ape-like and everybody in the group was uh yeah that was the consensus it was really loud and it was ape-like and uh after this lasted like 30 seconds or so and i was just belting this out and everybody starts looking at me thinking like I know what that is you know so they look at me and I I have not a clue uh, my mind is kind of like racing trying to find an answer and I just couldn't come up with one and so you've been ended... in the bush before and you'd heard coyotes and wolves and bears and things like this oh yeah yep like ever since I was a kid I've spent so much time up in the north woods you know it's just this is unlike anything i've ever heard plus way louder than anything i heard so you could have recognized if it were something familiar but this was out of the ordinary oh yeah way out of the ordinary okay. and at that point i still wasn't like you know i wasn't just like that sasquatch you know um 
I was just really confused about it. And when we went home, I hopped on the internet and I started to trying to figure out what it was. So I like I started by going to uh, the natural or Department of Natural Resource website, and I looked up all the mammals and all the birds and everything I could, and started listening to them. There wasn't anything coming close. And the farther and far, farther I started googling stuff, I came across Sasquatch vocalizations on YouTube, right? And so I clicked on it just for the heck of it, and uh, I started hearing uh, things that were very similar to what I heard. And so before kinda, you clicked on it, before, what was your initial thought when you saw, you know, Sasquatch vocalizations? Were you like, "Come on, you kidding me?" Like, I'll just yeah, a little bit. this, or were you actually considering that? this could be a Sasquatch for the most part. I was just kind of entertaining the idea, but I was kind of running out of, uh, running out of ideas of what it could be. So yeah. I just went for it. And yeah, uh, after I found those two, I started show, I showed my wife, I showed, uh, her mom and, and her family friend. And, um, uh, they were getting like goosebumps when I showed it to them and they were uh, like, that's, that's what we heard. And, uh, so I started going in like the comment section, of videos like that and started asking, okay, what, well, you know, what is this really, you know, and nobody had an answer other than Sasquatch. That's pretty much what, what led me up to, uh, at least I was kind of 50, 50 at that point, you know, I was open to the idea of it, but I still wasn't, you know, quite there. So what made you a believer? Well, it was probably two months later, we went back to the same place. And at that point, I had looked at a bunch of Bigfoot stuff. So I started getting an idea of what people do when they go out and look for them. And kind of almost as a half-hearted joke, I did like a tree knock, like you see people do on TV. And uh, it's like a good, and we just sat and listened. And about a good minute later, something knocked back to us. And, uh, and then that bumped me up even a little bit more. And then the following year, went back to the same place. And I had a couple of buddies from work with me. You know, they weren't on board with that kind of stuff. I didn't really talk about it much with them. Yeah. Uh, but when we were camping there, it was in the same forest, but we were at a different like campsite this time, or uh, right off the lake. And uh, while we were sitting at the fire that night, we started having rocks tossed into camp at us. And uh, it started with just like little, like like just little ones, and they were kind of whizzing in. They'd come in sideways, so it's not like an acorn dropping out of a tree or anything. Like you could hear the rocks, they, they're like, you know, nicking branches on the way through and um, they're landing in camp. And then we start hearing some hit the water. And then later in the night, then we start hearing the big ones getting chucked into the water. Big, you know, there's a sound a fish makes when it splashes in the water or something. This was like a kerplunk, you know, from a big rock getting tossed in. And then at that point, I was pretty much sold on it. I didn't really, you know, question it anymore after that. So, you know, just uh, because, you know, there's going to be lots of skeptics, I'm sure, listening to this, I have to ask all those questions. So were yeah, there, yeah, were there, what was the proximity of other people there possibly? Was there other campsites around or were you completely isolated? Yeah, we were completely isolated. This spot we picked specifically to get away from people and it was right on the edge of a, like a remote lake. Are they all close to where it happened the first time? Uh, it was within uh, probably like two and a half miles. So it was in the same like forest, but you know, about a mile or 
they're a couple miles apart. Okay, so the rock throwing, this sort of sealed the deal for you that there's Sasquatch out there. Yeah, that's probably the point where I started just kind of like, okay, these things are real. Um, and more things happened after that too. So, you know, that's that's not where it ended either. It was on that same trip and uh, we went on this backside of this trail. It's not a very, it, it, this place is pretty remote too. There's not a lot of traffic that goes on this trail. It's like an ATV trail, but we used it as a hiking trail, which you can do here. It's just, if you hear four wheelers coming, you just hop off the trail quick. And um, we got back in this remote location and then we started finding structures. And um, I'm not even the one who noticed them first. My buddy from work was, and he's like, man, like, look at all these trees. They're, they're like all stacked up in like pyramids and stuff. And then there was like these uh, perfect uh, breaks. Not like if uh, wind or something takes down a tree where the, you know, the bark's all splintered. It was just like something took its wrist and gave it a twist and broke it. But they were like, you know, two inches thick. So I, you know, I tried breaking on myself. I couldn't, I couldn't even come close to doing it. So were then, uh, branches, they were creating some kind of shelter, you're saying? I don't know if it's a shelter. I'm not sure what they are, but um, I've seen a lot of other videos of them. They might just be like Sasquatch road signs. That's what a lot of people think they are, that they're just kind of like little, you know, almost like if you were, if you were going to go cut through the bush or something like that, you would like leave a little nick on trees as you go along or break little twigs yeah. that you could find your way back or... Um, just just a primitive sign, maybe. Okay, so the theory is that these are markers of some kind. Right. And now what about the, you know, the very traditional footprint? Is that something you'd ever seen out there? I, I did find one footprint. It was uh, right next to a structure that I found. Um, there was a lot of leaf litter on the ground. So it was like a carpet of leaf litter, but it was a deep imprint in the in the ground it probably went down like maybe three inches or so um it was huge i wear a size 14 boot and my you know and i'm wearing thermal boots so they're even bigger and this thing was way bigger than my boot print wow. and uh it sunk down i used all my weight i'm i'm about 230 pounds and i couldn't even get my foot to sink in an inch and this was this was really deep so Whatever it was, they had really big feet, and it was heavy. How far would you say it compressed down, like two or three inches or something? Yeah, at least double the the depth that my foot could do. So, And it's bigger, bigger surface area. So if it had the same size foot as me, and I'm 230, so if it was 460 pounds, you know, it would take 460 pounds to make that kind of depth, but its foot was even bigger, so it might even be heavier than that, you know. So your buddies from work, what are they thinking at this point? Are they on board or do they think you're a whack job? No, not at all. They, uh, I mean, they did kind of at first, but yeah. they're kind of, they're not at a hundred percent there. They're, they're kind of probably like 50, 52, where they definitely entertain the idea and feel that it's very possible, but they're, uh, I think they're kind of, they need to actually like see one to, uh, to totally believe i mean at this point would you want to see one in all honesty or would you, you think you'd freak you right out or i think it would freak me out i uh <laughs> i talked to 
quite a few witnesses and a lot of them have said they wish that they want to see seen one. They say it's the creepiest dang thing on the planet. It's, yeah, it's not very fun, I guess. And I don't really go out seeking them too much. Um, and the whole point of Great Lake Sasquatch was, was not to like prove their existence. Cause like, that's not going to happen. You know, it's the, like, okay. So there's evidence like the footprint chaos and, uh, people find the, uh, the structures, stuff like that. There's even like some caught on film, but they're usually blurry. I mean, you could have the most perfect video of one and someone will just call it CGI, you know, in the modern age, there's too much people can do with computers and stuff like that, that I'm like, even when I see like something that looks kind of convincing, I'm like, you know, like somebody could have made that on, you know, Microsoft, you know, paint or whatever. So you literally have to have one in a cage and see it in person. I think to really, there's a famous, uh, like, um, Bigfoot researcher. Well, he wasn't really a big, he was a Bigfoot researcher, but he was, uh, uh, I believe it was Grover Krantz. He was a professor of anthropology. Um, I think it was at uh, Washington State University. I could be wrong on that. But he, uh, you know, he was a doctor in anthropology. He said the only way people are going to believe it is if you drag a corpse into town and you have to rub people's faces in it. Yeah, I would think so. So, yeah, but the, the, the whole point is not to prove they're real because there's going to be people that don't believe in it. There's going to be people that think I'm crazy. That's fine. I kind of feel like I'm a little crazy too. Uh, the whole point of this is you kind of go through a whole process once you start realizing that these things are out there. And especially people that have seen them, they go through. There's some people that get like PTSD from seeing these things. And there's not really a, there's not really a support network for that. You can't go to the therapist and tell them you saw an eight foot tall monkey man out in the woods. They're going to lock you up. Um, so the, the whole point of my organization was I went through this process and I kind of wanted to just help other people through it. Um, that's basically the whole point of it is like, let people kind of get, get over the fact that, you know, they saw this thing and, uh, you know, kind of almost go through the grieving process, you know, of the reality changing and, and then uh, trying to just leave people in a better spot than what they were before they contacted me. This is amazing. I hadn't really thought about this aspect of Sasquatch, but it's like a support group because you're right. I mean, you see people on television who say they've seen Sasquatch or seen aliens. A lot of people, you know, don't believe them. And then what? They're just left with this experience without the chance to really debrief or, or be heard and believed. So that is really cool, man. Uh, so what inspired you to, you know, take up that mission? Um, it was just, it was kind of my own experience. Cause I kind of like, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Once the stuff started happening, like I thought about it, I wake up and start thinking about it. Yeah. And it's just like your brain trying to wrap your mind around all of it because it's something that's not supposed to exist. And even talking about it, you just, you sound crazy to a majority of people. And I, yeah. you know, I'm well aware of that some people, you know, they don't have as thick a skin as me. So they could probably use somebody in, uh, in their corner to work them through it a little bit, I guess. Some of the people like I bumped into and talked about it, like I could, I could tell it, it affected them deeply, kind of felt bad for them. So Great Lakes Sasquatch. So now how come you attached the word, you know, the words Great Lakes on there? Are you sort of 
limiting your you know geographical region to the Great Lakes, or or do you extend this invitation to to anybody? Yeah, I I'll talk to anybody. If somebody contacts me, I'm not going to turn them away. Um, the reason why I focused on the Great Lakes region is because um, kind of in that Sasquatch community, there's a ton of groups, organizations, and stuff on the uh, West Coast, obviously, like in the Pacific Northwest. And there's a ton of groups that are like down in the Southern United States and stuff too. But it kind of seems like this region right in the middle of the continent, you know, um, around the Great Lakes, like it just kind of gets overlooked. But there is a ton of ton of wilderness up here. And I think people just are a little quieter about that kind of stuff in this area of the continent. So, and I wanted to hear about more stories from kind of like my region. So I always, um, I, I usually, I like I started out or it's just like the upper peninsula, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and then Western Ontario and uh, Manitoba. So the reason I reached out to you, yeah, was because Great Lakes Sasquatch. That fascinated me. This is a, a surf podcast, primarily uh, catered a lot to the Great Lakes surfing crowd, which similar to Sasquatch is something that a lot of people <laughs> don't believe exists or that you can do is surfing on the Great Lakes. So I was uh, previously living in uh, British Columbia and there's a place there, maybe you've heard of it, it's called Harrison Hot Springs. And it's right on a park called Sasquatch Provincial Park. And so it's the real hotspot for sightings um, in that area. And so, you know, it's got the stores with the Sasquatch statue inside and, you know, all those kind of things you see on TV. But I actually went on an ATV tour. There's a company there called, I think, Sasquatch Country Adventures or something. And they actually take you out in the, in the woods on a quad. And the guy, uh, our, our, our tour guide, he was actually pointing out spots where there had been sightings, where he had had his sighting. It was really fascinating. So yeah, I definitely associated Sasquatch with British Columbia, Oregon, and Washington. So the fact that you've created this um, Great Lakes um, idea, I think is just awesome. Like because also me living here too, and you know, I'm sure the surfers listening, uh, especially the guys out on Superior, if you're out in those you know, woods and you're all alone and you kind of get that feeling like, is something watching me or is there something out there? So what are the common threads that you've heard with Sasquatch stories, particularly in the Great Lakes? People tend to, like they're always huge like way bigger than a bear. Like this part of the, the continent, you know, we don't really, we don't have grizzly bears. We have black bears. And if people are saying they're seeing something that's like eight, nine feet tall sometimes, and it's, it looks like it's three times wider than a human and it's walking on two feet. Um, you know, it's not a bear. Um, it seems like, uh, they can be curious. Uh, like people with kids will have, um, an encounter. Uh, I think they get curious about all the, like, the children making noise and stuff like that. I had a woman, um, she emailed me probably, like, two months ago, and she was up in northern Minnesota. She was probably only about 20 miles away from the Canadian border, and uh, her and her family, uh, they rented a cabin up there that was on a remote lake. Uh, she said they rented the cabin because she has a son um, with uh, mental 
uh, disability. And so he makes a lot of noise and they like to take their vacation somewhere, you know, where he can make all the noise he wants and he's not, you know, going to upset any neighbors or anything. Mm-hmm. And, uh, she said he was, you know, making a bunch of noise and stuff. And, uh, she said it was getting kind of dark, but she watched a huge outline of like a hulking man. She said mm-hmm. it was like a built, like a bodybuilder at eight feet tall. And it walks out of the tree line and she could see this big silhouette of it and it stood there and it watched them for a while. And, uh, she said she tried running in and grab inside and grabbing her husband so he could see it. And, um, by the time she got back with him, that it was already gone. Um, so a lot of curious, so usually when people have sightings, it's not necessarily, it's like an accident. Sometimes it happens where people just bump, bump into them. And, uh, but sometimes or a lot of times out of curiosity, they kind of show up, they check them out. People have a, a glimpse of them and then they leave. You know, it's interesting about what you said too, is with bears and I mean, pretty much any kind of wildlife, um, maybe with the exception of some predators like cougars or something, but animals, they will flee with, you know, with loud sounds, right? So the fact that the Sasquatch, this is an animal or something that is coming to the noise, that is very peculiar in itself. Right. It is weird. Black bears, the wolves, anytime I've had a encounter with them, as soon as they catch windy, they're gone. You just see the hind end of them running away. Um, I've always been fascinated with cryptozoic creatures. I've, I've always been interested in the idea of Sasquatch, aliens, the Loch Ness Monster, Ogopogo, these kind of things. In terms of the different um, around the world, you know, we've heard of Wendigo and Yeti and Bigfoot and Sasquatch. Have you done any research around those other names? Like, do they all share a common thread to what we perceive in North America? Yeah, uh, South America it's the Mwapungwari or something like that. And you got the Yowie in Australia in Russia. There's the, uh, the Almas and, um, e- even in like, uh, like Northern European, uh, myths, there's the trolls and stuff like that. People, um, the way that trolls are kind of depicted nowadays are a little bit different, but if you look at the original descriptions of them, they're, they're very Sasquatch-like. They're kind of big, ugly humans that are covered in hair. So, you know, the, the big question, too, I think that everyone asks is, how could we have not got our finger on one of these things already? This is always just theory mm-hmm. because we yeah. don't have anything proven. But uh, there's a man named Lloyd Pye, and he had a really good theory about him. And it even goes along with uh, anthropology that um, is kind of ever-changing. They keep discovering more types of like pre-humans and relic hominids and stuff like their bones. What Lloyd Pye thinks, like since all these different uh, like human-like creatures lived all at the same time, and us humans were kind of the nastiest ones. We're like, uh, we're kind of like two-legged wolves, you know. Um, we're not that powerful by ourselves, but we got the brain power to work as a team and kind of take down any animal on the planet. Our ancestors are taking down woolly mammoths and those things are huge. Um, so we just, we got the smarts to know how to do it. And the theory is if there's other human-like creatures that exist that are, you know, they're human like you, but they're like a different species of human, they're competition for food. They're going to be using the same resources as us. 
and we're going to, we're going to, you know, we're going to kill them. We're going to go to war with them. Okay. And, uh, so the theory is that we killed a bunch of them and then the ones that we didn't kill, we drove so far deep into the wilderness that we couldn't keep up with them anymore. We couldn't, we couldn't get that far back because our skin is, you know, we got like thin skin. If you try to go through the really deep bush, you're going to get all cut up and it's really hard for us to maneuver through it. Uh, maybe they're better at that than we are. So, so the theory is we drove them deep into the wilderness where we couldn't get to them. And then every once in a while nowadays, we bump into each other kind of at the, at the boundaries of those areas. Mm. I remember learning that, and I read this in a book as well, that I believe it was only as long ago as the, the earlier mid 1800s when there were written accounts of these, you know, hairy ape-like creatures put in, you know, posted in the newspaper and as if it was no big deal. It, it was a little more normalized. And I suppose, you know, back then before we had all the media exposure we have now, maybe it was easier to believe stuff like that too, because we didn't know all what was out there. We hadn't been exposed to it all through the lens of our televisions or, or things like that. Right. And nowadays there's this assumption that we've seen every, like every square inch of land. That's not true. I mean, I mean, you lived in British Columbia. If you look at British Columbia from the sky, there's so much land out there. It's impossible to, they say that most of the Pacific Northwest hasn't been land surveyed. Most of it's been surveyed from the air. Okay. Because it's just too hard. It's too hard to cover it all on foot. And the one of the areas they were pointing out on the tour was this island. And they were saying that was a major dwelling place for the Sasquatch. And of course, you know, most people have no reason to go to that island. It's very remote. It's in the middle of, you know, a lake that's in the middle of the mountains. So... I mean, you're right. Who knows what's going on over there? So why do you think it's so hard for regular people, even say yourself, before having this experience? Why are people so skeptical of not only just believing in Sasquatch, but like you said, believing that there could be other species that haven't been discovered yet? And I know that that's a fact because they're discovering things on like a daily basis in the ocean. Right. Um, I think it's no fault of their own. It's, I don't know, I guess like pop culture. I mean, you grow up and you see Harry and the Hendersons. It's kind of a silly movie. It's a good movie. I enjoy it, but it's silly. (laughs) Yeah. And then, you know, the beef jerky commercials and just, um, it's always kind of portrayed as a joke. And so people just, you know, through pop culture, they just feel like, uh, yeah, it was just kind of created to be like a, a silly little thing like a hairy wild man out there. Even jokes or fiction, anything like that, it always starts with a grain of truth. We live in a time where everything is so concrete and we think we know everything and we think we reality is what we see. And it's like we're not open to the possibility that there could be things we don't know about yet. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. that even comes down to like a personal level. Like, you, like even when you're 90 years old, you're still learning stuff. Yeah. You, you don't, you don't ever know anything. You just keep learning more and more, but you don't, there's never a finish line. There's always going to be more and more that you could know and learn. And yeah, people are really obsessed with, I'm not believing in anything unless it's proven by science. Well, si- yeah. science is, science is very busy. 
it's not going to have time to prove everything, mm -hmm. especially something that's been kind of turned into like a, uh, kind of like a joke or whatever, but does ha have basis for having plausibility. Um, they're, you know, they're not going to be putting research grant money into it because in the end it's, it's kind of inconsequential. Yeah. Um, there's like, uh, what benefit would science have by proving Sasquatches were real? How do you perceive Sasquatch? Do you see them as a benevolent creature? Maybe, you know, you mentioned the fact that people sort of have this PTSD after seeing them. Do you think there might even be some kind of darkness or malevolence with them? Or, or are they just another creature species like us just doing their thing and wanting to be left alone? When I first started, I thought they could be, you know, it's, a, it's an ape. But um, the more and more witnesses I talk to, they, they say, yeah, it, it could seem ape-like just because of the fact that it's covered in hair. But because it walks like us, they say they're uh, people that have seen them say their faces look very human like really a little different than us. But um, I think they're, you know, I don't know for sure either. I don't want to <laughs> don't quote me on this as fact. This is all opinion. But um, I think they, if they are something, they probably are like a different like uh, species of humans that are just they stay away from us because we're dangerous to them. There's lots of cultures that talk about. Um, there being giants, even uh, from a Judeo-Christian perspective, you know, in the Bible, there's talk about giants and things like that. So really fascinating. So when you think about a, a Sasquatch, do you picture the, um, what was that, like the Patterson-Gimlin footage? Do you think that that was the real deal? Uh, I am leaning towards that it is the real deal. And it's for a few reasons. There was footprints associated with that video. They, they went and casted the footprints that were down on that dry riverbed. And then uh, with uh, advancements in technology, they've been able to stabilize it now. So it's not so jumpy and all over the place. It's stabilized. And they were able to, because there's different copies of the film. The original film exists in a like a bank safety deposit box but there was a bunch of second generation copies that were floating around and the more of those copies that they can with computer technology nowadays that they can overlay on each other and then they can take out film uh, artifacts from the copying process the clearer and clearer of a picture they got to me it looks like there's muscle flex in the leg i don't know how you're going to do that in 1967 planet of the apes came out around that time and they had to put clothes on the apes because the, the costumes look baggy. They didn't have like stretch for like costumes or anything. And it looks like this skin is tight to the muscle and you can see like muscle flex and stuff in the leg. A breast too, I think. Yep. And, they, and it had uh, swaying breasts too. When it turned uh, that frame where it turns and looks at the camera, um, you can see the breast swing on it too. So if it were a costume, that's not a detail that would likely make it into a costume. Right. And I'm just having a hard time imagining two rodeo cowboys managing to throw together this suit that, you know, Hollywood didn't even have the capability of making at the time. I kind of wonder what, um, 
because in our generation, we've, we've had that footage around our whole lives, right? So this has been a part of our culture and our, our whole lives. I wonder what it would have been like to have seen that for the very first time, you know, when that was coming on the television back in the 60s. Have you met anyone who's talked about that? Um, I've talked to an older guy. Uh, he had a, a sighting when he was 11 years old back in the 70s, um, and he hadn't ever seen that uh, footage or anything. They didn't have TV at his house growing up, so he never caught like a TV show with it or anything. And he said when he saw the Sasquatch when he was 11 years old, that he just thought it was like a monster. Like he didn't know what else to call it. Uh, he said the one he saw was a female as well. And he said it was completely covered in hair. And he said it was so human-like. It looked like the like the bearded lady from the circus or something. You know, you mentioned Harry and the Hendersons earlier. I got to admit, whenever I think of Sasquatch, that's the vision that comes to my mind. You know, being tied down to the top of the station wagon and then, <laughs> you know, waking back up in the garage at night. <laughs> right. Yeah, that movie is good, even though it's it's silly. A lot of people like in the Sasquatch community, like kind of hate that movie because of like the kind of the jokey factor that has turned Sasquatch into. But I don't know. It's just it's a good movie. It's not bad. I'd rather watch that movie than some of the, the scary ones they try to make. The the spooky ones are just they're too corny for me. I can't stand them. But the Harry and the Hendersons is good. I'm curious to hear what you think about some of the theories that I've read are that it could be an alien creature, that it can be, you know, other dimensional, um, sort of like a spirit guide or something like that. Do you have any thoughts around any of those, those ideas? Oh, I'm not a genius. So, but there, uh, there's a man who recorded some vocalizations in the seventies. His name is Ron Moorhead. And he, uh, this was in Northern California, I believe. And he said there was all these anomalies that would happen whenever these things would come around. Uh, sometimes they'd see lights. Um, he said he saw like a three foot long rod of like bluish white light float right through the woods past camp once. And he said sometimes it would sound, they were like in a shelter, like that they made out of logs. And he said at night, sometimes it'd sound like they'd come into camp and they'd throw all these, uh, these like big cans and like fuel cans and stuff around and make a whole bunch of noise. And then in the morning they would go out there and nothing had been touched. Mm. You know, they thought they were sure camp would be destroyed when they went out there and nothing was even moved. And in recent years, he came out with a book. It's called quantum Bigfoot. And it kind of goes into the like quantum physics theories and stuff like that. If you look into that stuff a little bit, it's, you know, with quantum physics, basically anything is possible. There's different layers to reality. You know, maybe we can only perceive this one that we're in, but there's other kind of like dimensions or realities that kind of exist on top of this one that we just can't pick up on. Yeah. And maybe thinks that these things are kind of almost like how the Native Americans talked about them. Like, you know, they're, they're physical forms, but they can move between this world and the spirit world 
and maybe that relates to quantum physics. It's just their way of how they explained it, you know, without the scientific jargon. Yeah, I mean, is it really so hard to believe that something might be able to just get away before we ever find it? Especially when we're talking about it being in these super remote places, like you're saying, right? You literally need to just get, you know, thousands of people to join hands you know, and just comb the woods until you, you know, you got to the sea or something and, you know, see what you sort of sifted out. Yeah. Maybe next time they do uh, hands across America, they can look at, look for Bigfoot at the same time and do a two for one deal. So what would satisfy you as a, what would you call yourself? A Sasquatch enthusiast, a researcher, um, yeah, I wouldn't call myself a researcher. I don't I don't even really give myself a label. I'm just a guy that like if you've seen Sasquatch or had something happen to you weird cuz I'll talk to anyone that's had something weird happen even if it's a UFO or something else weird happens out in the woods, you know. I'd like to hear it cuz I find it interesting and um I'm willing to like listen to somebody and just I'm just a guy that'll listen to someone talk if they got a story and or need someone to kind of get something off their chest. Yeah, you really got me thinking about this support idea. I had never thought about that. That there could be a need for, you know, debriefing Sasquatch experiences. I think it's awesome that you're providing a, a listening ear and, and a voice for those people to um, talk about it. So what do you think is the future for Great Lakes Sasquatch? What do you hope to uh, accomplish as the years go by? I think I just want to continue what I'm doing. As long as I'm uh, helping somebody, if somebody gets off the phone with me and they feel better about the whole thing when they're done, then I that's the main goal. Okay. I, you know, I'm not selling uh, t-shirts. I'm not, uh, not making it. So basically all of this is just me donating my time for yeah. people because I don't, uh, yeah, I don't want to make any money off this. It's funny how many images there are on the internet of Sasquatch on surfboards, to be honest with you. Yeah, that's weird, isn't it? Cause I've, uh, I've seen a lot of pictures of them um, surfing. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why people have this obsession with them surfing, but yeah, that'd be pretty cool. It's funny you were talking about the beef jerky. I know because there's uh, Jack Link's beef jerky. They have a commercial with uh, Logan Landry. He's a professional surfer, and there's a video of him like teaching this Sasquatch how to how to surf. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Now, I know you said that you're not out to prove that they exist or that they don't exist, but deep down in your heart, would you love the satisfaction of it being debunked and proven true? Or do you like living with that mystery and this sort of great debate? Because, I mean, let's face it, it's pretty fun to talk about. It is. Uh, I think... I think I'm okay with them remaining a mystery. I think they're better off that way anyways. Yeah. As soon as, as soon as we like, uh, everyone thought panda bears were just a myth and a legend, you know, a long time ago. And it took them 60 years to finally f- like get deep enough into the, like the bamboo forest to find a panda. Wow. But the moment we found one, now they're in zoos. And that's a good point you bring up because imagine, you know, going back a few hundred years, 
especially let's say, you know, you were from, you know, England and then you go to Africa and you see a lion for the first time. I mean, that would blow your freaking mind. Even to see a moose in the woods today is like, whoa, it's so magical, right? I mean, is it is it that hard to believe that there could be a hairy-like, you know, human-type creature that they have recovered bones of what might be a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch from, you know, hundreds or thousands of years ago? I forget what they're called. Do you know the term? Uh, no, but I... Are you talking about like the giant skeletons that have been dug up? Yeah, like the yeah. So like the Smithsonian took them, but now if you go on the internet and try to Google it, because I remember in books when I was a kid, it was these like twelve foot tall skeletons. Sometimes, sometimes they even found sixteen foot tall. They're kind of human like, but hmm. they're more robust and they're tall. And when I was a kid, it was always in books that yeah, the, these were dug up. But if you try to go on the internet now and Google it. It's uh, like you'll get the Snopes or whatever. It says it was all an internet hoax. I don't know how it could be an internet hoax when I was reading about them in books when I was a kid. Honestly, I think if I saw Sasquatch, I'd be way too freaked out. I'd be afraid of, yeah, what <laughs> what it would do to me. Like, would it rattle me so bad that I would be wanting to tell everybody about it, but no, nobody would believe me? It's almost kind of better being a believer but not having seen one you know right and vice versa where you didn't believe in them and then all of a sudden you got one in front of you and trying to explain that to people now one thing a lot of people a lot of witnesses say is like they're so big and intimidating that yeah they fear for their lives they feel like if that thing wants to grab a hold of me it could just wring me like a rag and twist me in half if it wanted to but have you ever heard of a fatality at the hands of a Sasquatch, apparently? Or there's stories on the internet, but there's a lot of there's a lot of channels out there that are just trying to sell like Bigfoot stories, right? Because yeah. it's there's a market for it. Anyone I've ever talked to though, it's usually uh most of the time it's they bump like they bump into one or one's curious and they see each other and then they both go their separate ways and that's the end of it. And even like having a rocks tossed like at, at myself, yeah. I mean, if they wanted to, they could just hawk a big rock at me from the dark outside of camp, hit me with a rock, take me out. I wouldn't know it hit me, but yeah, for sure. they never threw, they never threw a rock and hit me. So do you think that that's their way of saying like, get the hell out of here? Or is that them kind of, throwing a rock at you to get to your attention, maybe, you know, come over here, check out this rustle in the bush. Like what did, what was the vibe like in the air when that was happening? I never got the, I need to leave vibe, but I kind of got the like, Hey, we're here and we're going to mess with you a little bit kind of vibe. <laughs> and I don't know if they can, cause a lot of people think, Oh, that if you know about them, they're aware of that somehow. Like they know that you know about them because a lot of people, Say once you have one kind of encounter with them, it's a lot easier for more to happen. Oh, okay. It just sounds that sounds like you know delusions, but yeah. <laughs> when you have other people with you, it's hard to explain that away, you know, because other people aren't imagining the same thing you are. And I've always had people with me, and never I don't go out alone anymore. Not since the the missing four on one stuff. Ever since that, I I usually if I, I don't do the solo camp anymore, I always go with at least one other person and we usually 
we don't wander off on our own anymore. So this has really impacted your way of life in a way. You used to do the solo camping. You used to think that you knew everything, you know, out in the woods, how to handle yourself. And then this just created a whole nother reality for you. Yeah, dad. And the main reason for it is, you know, I don't know exactly what I'm dealing with here. Mm. Like when I was out alone, if I encountered a bear, I knew exactly what to do. Uh, If I encountered a wolf, I knew what to do. And most of the time, those animals are going to run away as soon as they see you anyways. That's 99.99% of encounters of bears and wolves. Is they're just, they hightail it out of there. Uh, they don't ever come to camp and toss rocks at you for fun. So it's, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to be out there alone and see one either. That'd be, that'd be out of there quick. I'd be packed up and leave. I might even not pack up. I might just leave. <laughs> yeah, you just get the hell out of there fast. So you mentioned then that people call you and you talk to people who've had these experiences. So, so how does that work? If anyone's listening, um, you know, and they've had an experience or if anyone does have an experience, is there a phone number to call or an email for people to find you at, or, or how do you collect the, that data or stories? Yeah. So I have a email, which is gl sasquatch which is all lowercase all one word no spaces or anything gl sasquatch at gmail.com and that's usually where people can like first initially get a hold of me because uh, if i'm busy or something like that because i do have a job and everything yeah you know this isn't my job um and i work a lot i work nights and stuff like that so people can email me and i can you know kind of get back to them when you know, I can, and then we talk a little bit on email and then if they're comfortable with it and they want to I either give them my number so they can call me or, uh, with, if people don't want to give me their personal number, I have a Skype right uh, that I'll, you know, I give them the address too. And then we have a Skype call. Plus that works pretty good with, uh, people, uh, that contact me from Canada. We don't have to, you know, do an international call or anything. And, uh, yeah, pretty much just take it from there. We just, we just talk. I don't, you know, I don't go and publish anyone's story. I don't make money off of it. It's, it's totally about the person just having somebody. Cause that's the main thing too, is if you have an experience, you just want to tell somebody that's going to listen to you. A lot of people they'll you know, they freak out, they run and they go tell even a f- close friend or a family member. And then they get laughed at. And, and then all of a sudden they become the Bigfoot guy or something. And then, you know, and nobody wants to be, you know, catching, catching hell from people. And all they're trying to do is like, just let somebody know. Man, the parallels from Bigfoot to Great Lakes surfing is just hilarious because growing up telling people I surfed the Great Lake, it was the same thing. You can't surf the Great Lakes. You crazy. The waves aren't big enough. You know, I can't imagine if I came home and said, oh, I saw a Sasquatch. Yeah, I wonder if if Sasquatch have any, or, you know, have any concerns with this COVID-19 right now. Yeah, who knows? There's a lot more people out camping and stuff now. Yeah. Every time, every time I tried going camping or anything, it was just, pat- there was people everywhere this summer. Uh, uh, me and my wife went up to the North Shore in October and we just wanted to go see the sights up there and, and see the fall colors and stuff. And, oh, there were so many people around. It was I've never seen it so busy up in that part of the state. Yeah, people got to do the staycation now. 
But Sasquatch, they might be liking this COVID-19 kind of, uh, you know, calling the herd a little bit, you know, maybe getting ready for the Sasquatch takeover. Right. That's all, There's a lot of people that think that, that they're kind of laying low and just yeah. kind of kicking back and waiting for <laughs> us to destroy ourselves so then they can just take the planet back from us. <laughs> yeah, really. Like, that doesn't seem that zany to think about. These Sasquatch seem to be hanging out a lot around the border. They don't, they're not concerned with international travel the way we are right now either. I guess not. They got dual citizenship, I guess. And they can just hop the border whenever they feel like it. So, you know, before we wrap up here, is there anything that you want to say to, you know, the skeptics out there? Like, do you have a, you know, a message you want to drill home or are you just like, Believe what you want to believe. No, no harm done to me. I guess what I would say is, yeah, uh, like if you don't want to believe, it's it's really inconsequential if you believe or not. I have thick skin, so if you want to tell me I'm a loony, that's fine. Like I can take it. But there's a lot of people out there that they've seen weird stuff, whether it's Sasquatch or other things. Just try not to be too harsh on people. Try to hear them out, especially if it's someone that you like, you know, really well, and you're really close to them. You know, they're not going to just decide one day to like tell you they believe in Sasquatch for no reason. They'll just give give people a little bit of a break. You don't have to believe them, but at least just hear them out because it's it's pretty tough going if something crazy happens to you and and nobody, everybody just you know kind of laughs at you and you got this serious kind of existential crisis going on with you. you know? And just keep in mind, too, that there's uh, there's over 10,000 Bigfoot reports and sightings that have happened since, like, pretty much since they started recording them, like, after the Patterson-Gimlin film and Bigfoot researchers and people start taking reports. So out of those 10,000-plus people, all it takes is for one of them. If one of them's telling the truth and not mistaken, then Sasquatch is real. Yeah. Even if 9,999 of those people are totally mistaken, they saw a bear or they're just making it up and lying or they saw someone pulling off a hoax, it only takes one person for it to for it to be real. I hadn't thought of it that way. You're right. And I like what you said, first of all, too, the message about, you know, being kind to people who may have had this experience. I like that you that you expressed that 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 goes even to something like this that you would never even think about that's an issue but actually is and and that keeps people quiet too that's you know just another um you know harboring shame that's not cool people need to be able to express this stuff so i think it's really cool man that you've provided uh, an avenue for people to do that and for someone like me who's just really intrigued by this stuff uh, I think it's super cool, man, that you've created the the Great Lakes Sasquatch to hear about these stories locally and not just out in BC or on the West Coast. Like these things are could be in our own backyard. Yeah, and that's what you know. I'm I'm in the U.S., but I wanted to hear from Canadians too, because uh, there's you know Western on uh, people from Western Ontario. Manitoba that's flyover country just like you know I am down here in Minnesota so we kind of get overlooked a little bit but there's a lot of wilderness out here so when the uh, sightings that you get or the experiences that you hear from people 
are they generally more in America or sort of split between Canada and the U.S.? Or I would say I actually have more reports from Canada. Well, Western Ontario seems to be like a, a hot spot. Western Ontario and then yeah, into Manitoba. And I think it's because of the there's a lot of, there's huge expanse of, of wilderness and there's a ton of lakes like we're sitting on. We're sitting on the biggest source of fresh water, like on the planet. Yeah. I think it's like 40, 40% of the world's fresh water is in this region right here with the Great Lakes. And then plus the hundreds of thousands of lakes that, you know, stretch through Minnesota and then up into uh, central Canada there. I drove through there only a few months ago. And yeah, it's hours and hours and hours of traveling through what could only appears to be bush and that's just what the road is going through so there could be anything out there right i think we'll leave it at that man i'm gonna leave that with people anything could be out there not even just sasquatch all right dude well hey thanks for coming on the show we took a little different you know route than i normally do usually talking to surfers and you know musicians and things like that but i thought It'd be so cool to learn about the Sasquatch that could be out on the Great Lakes and, you know, even watching us when we go surfing or according to the media, you know, maybe they even go surfing themselves. I don't know. Maybe we'll discover that one day. So, dude, I thank you for coming on the show, Olin. Stay stoked, man. Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me. I had a good time. Right on. That's all for this episode of Permastoke. I hope you enjoyed listening to that one. Again, I want to say mahalo to Olin for coming on the show, sharing his knowledge and experiences related to Sasquatch on the Great Lakes, and for being vulnerable and opening up on a topic that a lot of people are going to think you're crazy for. So thanks, Olin, for coming on. It was awesome. And whether you believe him or not, I hope this Christmas and holiday season, you can at least take Olin's message of kindness and pour that friendliness onto everyone you come in contact with, regardless of their appearance, beliefs, and so on. There's too many kooks out there already, so don't be a kook and just bring more kindness into the world. That's what we need, especially during these times. If you want to connect with Olin, check him out on Facebook at Great Lakes Sasquatch. And from all of us at Freshwater Surf Goods and the Permastoke Podcast, we wish you a very Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. We would like to give a big mahalo to Mark Malibu and the Wasagas for providing our intro music, Hey Chihuahua, off their 2009 album, Crash Monster Beach, and our outro music, End of Summer, off their 2017 album, Return of the Wasagas. For more information, visit www.wasagas.com and check them out on Spotify and iTunes. And of course, mahalo to all you listeners out there. We are so grateful that you chose to join us for this episode, and we look forward to providing you with even more awesome content in the future. More episodes are definitely on their way, but in the meantime, make sure to go back and listen to our previous episodes. And don't miss an episode ever again. Subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts from. You can even listen on Spotify or the Alexa app, and you can even watch the show on our YouTube channel. Please let us know how we're doing, 
leave us a rating and review. And don't forget to share with your family and friends over social media or by spreading the word in the lineup. To learn more about Freshwater Surf Goods and to check out our products and services, visit freshwatersurfgoods.com. Sign up for our newsletter so you can stay up to date on new products, new episodes of Permastoke, events, our SUP and yoga schedule, and other exciting news. Don't forget to follow us on social media as well. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Freshwater Surf Goods. But if you're a part of the surf or SUP community, or a surfaholic wanting to connect with your tribe and stay informed as to what's happening all across the Great Lakes and Canadian surf scene, then join our Facebook group, the All Canadian Surf and Sup Club. At Freshwater Surf Goods, we are currently in need of artists and graphic designers to help us with new product designs. We need photographers to provide Great Lakes in both East Coast and West Coast surf photography. We need musicians for music on the podcast. Hey, we want to make this a real community effort and have you all be a part of it. Or if you have an idea for collaboration, would like to recommend a future guest, would like to invite me to an event or book me to teach supper yoga, or if you'd like to carry our products in your store, or you're interested in being a sponsor of the show, and for anything else, hit me up on social media or email me at Derek at freshwatersurfgoods.com. That's Derek spelled the Viking way. No double R's or C's, just D-E-R-I-K at freshwatersurfgoods.com. I look forward to next time and getting to know you all better. In the meantime, I'm your host, Derek Hyatt. Mahalo, freshies. Keep surfing and stay stoked.